Welcome to the Ohio District UPCI Podcast. The following message is titled, Hell's Greatest Fear, and was spoken by Victor Jackson at the Ohio District Senior High Camp. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about the Ohio District, visit us at ohiodistrict.com. Luke chapter 16, verse 19, if you have it, say amen. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from thence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, and he may testify unto them, lest they should also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one went from them to the dead, from the dead they will repent. Last scripture, and he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. I want to preach to you on this subject tonight, hell's greatest fear. Hell's greatest fear. Why don't you lay your Bibles down? Everyone close your eyes and lift up your hands. Let's ask God to do what he wants to do here. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the hunger that is in this building. I thank you for the hunger that is in this place. I thank you, Lord, that you have divinely Lord, set this thing up that people may be affected. Lord, every person in this building you drew by your anointing and by your power, Lord, to hear this word tonight, Lord. I pray that a spirit of deliverance, that a spirit of power would creep in and change lives forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you clap your hands to the Lord? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Somebody shout yes. Hold on, that was supposed to sound come out louder. Somebody shout yes. yes. Amen. Hell's greatest fear. The first thing that we need to understand about the devil and all of his imps and all everything that would come out of hell, hell itself. The Bible says in James chapter 2 verse 19, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. 
Your enemy, your adversary, Lucifer himself, is afraid of God and everything that has to do with God. Can I preach to you? The devil cannot kill you. Man, that was a word of deliverance for somebody right there. You don't have to live in anxiety or worry about the devil coming and destroying you. Hell cannot touch you unless God allows it. And if he allows it, he'll use it for a turnaround to bring you in to a greater anointing. I said the devil cannot kill you. If the devil could kill you, nobody here would make it to church tonight because we'd be dead before we ever got to camp. But there's nothing he could do about it. When you're in the presence of God, there is nothing that hell could do to destroy not a single hair on anybody's head in this place. Hallelujah. 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 He said, I want to touch Job. I, I want to kill Job. I want to take Job out. He said, uh, God said, you know what? I'll allow you to touch his stuff, uh, but you cannot touch him. Uh, and then after Job survived the test, uh, God said, he came back to God. He said, God, uh, you won't let me touch him, uh, and but let me touch his body. Let me touch his health, and he'll curse you to his face. Uh, and God said, I'll let you touch his health. But he said, you cannot touch his life. What am I saying? Hell may touch your body. Hell may touch your stuff. But hell cannot take your life away because God died for it and it is his possession. I feel like preaching right now. Hallelujah. Saul said, I want to kill David. Saul said, I want to kill David. So he sent his messengers to David to try to kill him. But whenever he sent the messengers to David, the Bible says that David's enemy, Saul's messengers, that they began to prophesy. And they began to prophesy good things over David. So they came back to Saul prophesying. Saul said, let me send some different messengers uh, to go and kill David. Uh, and they went there to kill him. Uh, but they came back prophesying. Uh, Saul said, you know what? I got to kill him myself. Uh, Saul went to David. Uh, and even he came back prophesying. What am I saying? Uh, every time the devil tries to touch you, there is a prophetic word that has been spoken over your life. And there is nothing that he can do to stop God's word from I said he can't kill you. I said he can't kill you. You shall not be destroyed. I said you survive more than this. I said you're the head and not the tail. I said you are God's valuable possession. I'm saying that you are a treasure in his eyes. I'm saying that you are the apple of God's eye. I'm saying before he created the world, he thought of every single person in this building. I'm saying that you were not created by accident. I'm saying that you were in the mind of God before Adam was created. You were in the mind of God before Eve ever was created. You were in the mind of God before the earth was stretched forth. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before anything and everything, he's thought of 
of you. And he said, I will protect. And y'all were preaching about the name tonight. You don't understand how powerful it is to get baptized in Jesus' name. You don't understand that you've entered into covenant with God. You don't understand that God put his name on you so he could protect you forever. Even when you feel like you're not doing the best that you could, his name is tied to you. He told Israel, he said, Israel, I do I'm not delivering you for your sakes. He said, I am delivering you because of my holy namesake. In other words, when you fall short in your behaviors, he says, my name makes up for where you lack. Come on, somebody. So when you get the name, you get grace, you get mercy, you get forgiveness, you get everything you need. Hell is afraid. He is afraid of God. He is afraid of God. When he robed himself in flesh, he was afraid. He is afraid of the Holy Ghost that's inside of you. That that is Jesus on the inside of you. That is the Spirit of Christ on the inside of you. That is his presence, the earnest of our inheritance. That's what's on the inside of you. When you speak in tongues as the evidence of the Holy Ghost, that is Jesus coming to live and live and dwell in your temple. He dwells in you. And I'm telling you, there's nothing the devil could do to take the Holy Ghost away from you. Can I tell you, the Holy Ghost is more powerful than you think it is. It has more fortitude than you think it has. The Holy Ghost is what has kept you. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Come on somebody. He is your provider. He is your protector. He is your love. He is your beloved. He is the bright and morning star. He is the lily in the valley. He's everything you need when you need it in the name. I wish someone would clap their hands if they believe that. He is uh, afraid of God. John chapter 1 verse 1 says it this way. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He's not just afraid of God. He is afraid of the word of God. Hell starts trembling when you start preaching and quoting and believing the word. That's why the only time you ever get distracted in service is when there's preaching. Hello? The only time you yawn is during the preaching. I feel like preaching already. The only time you nod off is during. I've never seen somebody fall asleep during the worship. I've never seen someone fall asleep while singing songs standing up. But I've seen them time and time again sit down, fold their arms, get their cell phone out, and begin to nod to sleep. Because the devil knows if you get one word, it can transform your life.
You don't, you don't check the Instagram during worship. Hello? No, it's during the word. And the Bible says we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We're not ignorant of his devices. He's not, we're not ignorant even of his devices. Are you hearing? The devil can use this device to keep you from getting a calling, keep you from getting a destiny. Have you on your phone all service where you never receive a prophetic word that can sustain you? It is thy word that I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against it is the word of God that is keeping me and keeping you and we better pay attention to That's why you better thank God for a pastor that preaches the word. You better never mock when your man of God gets up and starts preaching under the power of the Holy Ghost to try to pull you out of the pit. No, you better stand at attention and say, I honor, I respect the man of God because he has been entrusted with the words of everlasting life. It is the word. It is the word. I know we're in a generation that's all about miracles. Well, I'm going to dig here tonight. Uh, we're in a generation that's all about miracles. Miracles in a moment. We choose miracles in the moment rather than living a life of obedience. Everybody wants a miracle because it doesn't take commitment to get a miracle. Hey, I've seen the blinded eyes open, the deaf ears unstop. I can tell you how one by one I brought up 70 people and God healed them of blinded eyes in front of everybody. But I've seen people, blinded eyes get open and never come back to church. I've seen the deaf ears come stop and never come back into the church. And they get lost with their miracle. Somebody told me overseas, and they kept telling me about all the miracles happening in them overseas. And how, man, it's not like the U.S., man. We get miracles, 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 man. We had five, 500 miracles. We had 1,000 miracles. I asked them this. I said, hey, do they still backslide in your country? He said, yeah, because it takes more than a miracle to sustain somebody. Oh, yeah, I'm going to preach it to you. God only does a miracle to have the miracle lead to him. The only purpose of a miracle, he uses it to lead to him and his nature. But if you don't allow the miracle to lead you closer to him, the miracle is incomplete. Because the miracle isn't completed until it leads you into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. He uses miracles to lead to him the word. But we don't want the word. This is what that rich man cried from hell. Send Lazarus to my brothers. Because if they get a miracle, they'll be persuaded. And Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. They have the word. And if they don't hear them, even if they see a miracle, they still will not believe. I'm not convinced that if we have more miracles, we'll have more people come to church. That's where the charismatic movement was birthed. They built a tabernacle around miracles. You better hear me. But the miracle is supposed to lead you to the word. But they built a tabernacle around miracles. So they are charismatic, charisma, gifted, but they're not made into conform into the image of Jesus Christ. They get miracles. They, they shout over miracles. And yeah, it's a little tabernacle. But they're babes in Christ. Because they never allow the word to conform them into the image of Jesus Christ. Gifted. So gifted. But they never allow their gift to lead them to an altar. He said, whether is greater, is it the gift or the altar which sanctifies the gift? I'm afraid we live in a generation that has many gifts but few altars. You can sing like nobody, but you don't read your Bible. I'm there right now. You got gifts, but you've yet to submit that gift to his word and to the altar. That's why your gift isn't as effective as it should be. Because gifts inspire, but altars change lives. I'm there. I'm there. He's the devil isn't afraid of portions of the scripture. He's afraid of the entirety of the word of God. He's afraid of the whole counsel of God. He's not afraid of pieces of the scripture because he has a hold on pieces. He tried to use portions against Jesus in the wilderness He's not intimidated by little bits and pieces of the word. He is afraid of the whole word of God. So hell's greatest fear is sermons about hell. His greatest fear is messages about Hell. 
because he wants you to blindly go to hell where nobody ever says anything about it like it doesn't exist or something. But he knows if anybody starts talking about hell that people will begin to intentionally make sure that they don't go down that route. But he's fearful when we start talking about that there is a hell. He tries to make us keep our mouth closed like not watching pornography is just a good idea so you can live a, live a better life. No, pornography will send you to hell. We like to say, oh, no, it may just, if you do wrong, if you have bad behaviors, you, 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 you mess up your, your future and, and your marriage and you'll go to jail and, and all of this stuff. But there's something far worse than that in this temporal life. There is an eternal life of damnation for those that refuse to get their act together. I've come under the anointing of the Holy Ghost to defend the apostolic doctrine. I've come with the right hand of God on my back to stand boldly against this culture, to preach. He cut out the whole counsel of God. I've come to square my shoulders. I've come to straighten my back. I've come to preach in the face of the adversary. And say you don't want to go to hell so you better get your act together and stop playing with church I'm, a, I'm defending the doctrine tonight because if there is no hell there's no need for apostolic doctrine if there's no hell, why get baptized in Jesus' name? Hello? If there's no hell, why receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? If there's no hell, there's no need for mercy. Stop preaching about mercy if you won't talk about hell. Mercy is God holding back judgment from you. But you don't believe in judgment, do you? So I've come to defend God tonight because when you don't talk about hell and you don't believe in hell, you are assaulting his character of mercy. And I've come to defend mercy tonight. There's no need for grace if there's no hell. If there's no hell, what Jesus did at Calvary doesn't make sense. I've come to defend Calvary tonight. I've come to defend the blood tonight. When you don't talk about hell, you are spitting in God's face. You're spitting on his mercy. 
Hello? You're spitting on his sacrifice. We don't want to talk about it. And so because we don't talk about it, we've got a bunch of young people here that have been living in fornication and don't think there's going to be any consequences. I've come in your mailbox tonight. You've been living a double life, thinking you'll never get caught. And you fool everybody. But you're going to lift up your eyes in hell one day because you didn't fool God. We got how to do it on the outside. We know how to fool everybody. I come from a holiness church. My pastor takes a whole month out of the year to preach and teach on holiness and standard for a whole month every service. I come from a holiness church. But let me tell you something. When you've been in this long enough, you learn how to dress the part. And go watch pornography all night after church. You know how to dress the part and go and sleep with whoever you want. Have the audacity to come in here playing the hypocrite like God is a fool. Like preachers are a fool. Like, I, like I'm not discerning or something. Like the gift of discernment doesn't exist. I've come to discern your spirit tonight. And you perfected how to do the church culture. Hypocrites, Jesus called them. A hypocrite is someone that, like the Greek drama, puts on a mask to play a part. But when they get home, they take the mask off. You come dress up for church and Put the mask on. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Are you sending inappropriate text messages to people? Are you sending photos of yourself in an immodest way? And as long as you play the part, nobody will care. There was an actress that tried to play that part of being in a prison. There was a part she was preparing for. So she wanted to get ready for being in a prison in, in, that, in that movie. And she went into a prison cell. She said, lock the door. And they locked the door for 30 seconds. And she said, get me out of here. When acting becomes real. When acting feels real. You think, you act like you play a bold language talking about you want to go to hell. You said, I'm not afraid of hell. Oh, that's a good act you're putting on. But it's going to be get real quick if you don't repent. Your heritage is not a get out of hell free card. 
Stop using your heritage as an excuse to play around. I can do it. My dad's the pastor. I can do it. I come from a line of preachers and ministers. I can play with it because there's more grace extended to me because of my last name. No, you're going to go to hell with that last name if you don't get a hunger for apostolic doctrine and love like your daddy and your mama and your granddaddy had. I wish somebody would clap their hands in this building if I'm preaching. Everybody clap those hands and lift up your voice. You're going to be in hell and you're going to be around a lot of sinners. And you are be worthy of the greater damnation. Because they never got to be at a camp like you got to. But you're going to be in fire just like them. Because you took it for granted. Church was just a show to you. Church was just a place for you to come and get your groove on. Come and dress up nice. I believe in outward holiness. But outward holiness is supposed to reflect inward holiness. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid there are too many liars that have skirts on. Habit of lying. Laugh about lying. Uncut hair, but can't tell the truth. And God's going to pick you up right with that skirt on and cast you down to hell. As if you never lived for him. I begin to envision it tonight. I saw God visiting Ohio camp. Judgment begins at the house of God. This would be one of the first places he visited. And I saw it. God begin to take young people off the pews and start casting them down the hill. With your skirt on, with your hair just casting you down. Your nice suit, your nice smile. Act like you got it all. I saw him just casting you down. Some of y'all, y'all are in the middle of praising him. And in the middle of praise, just cast you right down into the pit. Some of y'all in the middle of jumping for him. Your feet don't touch the ground. Goes right down into the pit. Because you've been living a double life. You thought you were going to come to camp and play around like you always have. I do what I want, God. There's no consequences. I date who I want, God. I watch what I want, God. 
Disciplining the flesh is more than just something good to do in this life. If you don't discipline it, you will go to hell. I'm preaching to people that have been on the way to hell. And that's why I got to preach this. Because you've been blindly on your way. I'm not preaching about a slip up. When you keep doing the same slip up, it's not a slip up, it's a habit. It's a habit. Matthew 18, verse 8, says it like this. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into the life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Jesus said, how you handle your hand. You just need to look at me right now. How you handle your hands, what you touch with your hands can send you to hell. Where you go on your feet can send you to hell. What you watch with your eyes can send you to hell. And if we don't crucify it and crucify it quickly, we will open up our eyes and lift up our eyes in heaven, in hell. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the Ohio District Podcast.